Once upon a time, you were 25. Walking up the aisle, you made the promise of love. Blink twice, and you were 29. Singing lullabies, and I looked up at you for the first time. Words fall short, but I'm sure. Free, wanna get my life. You've been waiting. 
together with our differences together we are bolder braver stronger Good morning, church. Come and uh, and find a place to sit. If um, you can hear me, grab your last cup of coffee. Come on in. Make your way in. This is where all the the fun happens. And so, um, just want to welcome you to Trinity Bible Church. Glad that you chose to spend uh, some time with us this morning. We're going to worship God together in many different ways. Um, as I often say, you know, there's many ways to worship God, and we love to worship through song. And in just a minute, uh, we'll pray and, and spend some time worshiping God through music and song. Um, but we also worship God the way that we fellowship with each other through our prayers and, of course, through opening His Word, which we will do as well. Uh, but I just want to welcome you and just remind you that we have these core values here at Trinity, and you're actually going to hear more about that a little bit later, uh, but they are these three simple words, learn and grow and serve, uh, because that is how we pursue being disciples of Jesus Christ. We learn the truth, and we grow in faith, and then we serve. We serve one another, and we serve the world around us. And so that's how we pursue discipleship here at Trinity. And again, you'll hear a lot more about that um, in a few minutes. But what I like to do is to kind of 
bring us together, get us on the same page, give us a, a few moments and opportunity to transition our minds and our hearts from kind of maybe rushing and getting here this morning to a time where we can just kind of take a deep breath and relax and say, yes, we have made it and we are here. And this is a time to give our attention to the Lord Jesus, because that really is what happens when we worship. We come not to receive, but to give. And so in worship, we are giving him uh, the due, uh, the, the honor and the glory that is due his name. And, um, and we do that in all of these ways. And so yet we know it can be difficult to do that, right? To give our time and attention, especially if we rushed here this morning, if we have many other things on our minds and whatever kind of week we had, whatever kind of morning we had, we are here. And uh, we don't believe that uh, there's any accidents or coincidences. So by divine appointment, we are all here this morning. Amen. And so we will give um, the Lord uh, worship and praise this morning. So I'm going to read from the scriptures and uh, this will be our call to worship. And then we'll pray and spend some time singing songs and lifting our voices together and joining our hearts in worship. So this morning's reading is from the book of Daniel in chapter 7. It is the account of one of Daniel's visions. And this is how he describes this vision. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. We can all say amen to that. God gave Daniel a vision, and we have a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he is returning one day for us to establish that kingdom. Amen? Let's pray now and enter into a time of worship. Father, we thank you for your word. So powerful it is. It's encouraging. It is sustaining. It is challenging. But Lord, as we are reminded of the visions that you gave to the prophet Daniel, Lord, remind us that you have given us a vision. In your word, we have a picture, a vision, a glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we look forward to seeing him face to face one day in all his glory for all eternity. But Lord God, we thank you of the powerful reminder that we are to keep our eyes set on you, Lord Jesus, the one whose kingdom never ends and the one who has full and eternal dominion. We thank you for being king. We thank you for being Lord. And Father, now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, we surrender ourselves to you in worship. And Father, as we join our voices and our hearts together, may the words that we sing and the truth therein sink deep into our hearts. And may the music stir our soul and move our emotions that we may draw closer to you. 
So Father, this time is for you now. We worship you and we honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand together and worship him. Church, while we get this ready, would you uh, join me in continued prayer? Father, our worship of you is like none other. Father, our worship of you, Father, it is time when we get to be with you, the creator of the universe, but yet also our maker. Father, we thank you that your word tells us over and over, and you remind us in all the things that you do for us how much you love us. So, Father, we desire to come before you now and to just be real. Lord, in all that we do here this morning, as we pray together, as we fellowship together, as we open your word together, we want to do it in honor of Jesus, but we want to do it, Lord, knowing that it brings you glory, and that you are blessed to see your children, your people, worshiping together, fellowshipping together, Lord, learning and growing and serving one another together. So, Father, our time of worship as we come before you and surrender, Lord, it is like no other. And I pray that our time together this morning would be like no other that we've had all week, that this would be a special time. A time, Father, where we can join together in, in bringing ourselves to you, being vulnerable, being transparent, just coming as we are. Father, how grateful we are that you require nothing of us to approach you and your your beautiful throne of matchless grace, that you tell us, come as we are. We do that now. And Father, we do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Will we have music worship this morning? What's that? We're good. So let's remain standing and praise the Lord. We just needed extra prayer. It's all good. Oh, 
Lord. Are you thankful for his goodness? Amen. Take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you.
All right, if we can find our way back to our seats. It's really good to see uh, great fellowship. We're grateful for the time together, and I trust that you were blessed being able to bless the Lord with a time of worship through song. You know, it's, um, it's important that we do that, you know, and there's, um, there's a time of personal worship, and of course there's a time of what we call corporate worship when we gather together like this. And I think there's something unique and special about that. Of course, it's, it's biblical. We saw groups of people worshiping together, but when you get to hear voices around you, you get to hear other people singing. And, and sometimes it's good, even if you love to sing, to just kind of stand and listen. Maybe you close your eyes and you hear what's going on around you, and, and it can be so uplifting. And so I'm thankful for uh, that opportunity every time that we can to worship the Lord together. And again, you know, we know that we're blessed, but the whole idea in worship is that we are giving our attention and focus to the Lord and blessing Him. And um, so we're going to continue to do that by opening His Word together. And um, we're going to look at what is often called the Great Commission. It is a very well-known passage of Scripture by many. It is found at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and so you can turn there in your Bibles. There's Bibles there in front of you, the chairs in front of you. You can use your Bible app on your phone if you'd like. Um, but again, it's the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and we'll look at that in, in just a minute or two. But that will be our focus this morning, because as you've seen, it's been promoted the last few weeks. This morning is what I'm calling our fall preview service. Last week, we ended our series on the book of First Peter, and then in a few weeks we'll pick up on Second Peter. We're doing them together, and that series was called Following Jesus in a Hostile World. And of course, God's Word is always relevant, but we look at uh, the words of Peter in his letters to the scattered ones, the believers who were new to their faith but facing persecution that was increasing every day, and Peter was writing them to encourage them uh, to stay strong in their faith, to remember who they are, and to remember that the Lord Jesus is coming back soon, but that they are to stand firm in their faith, even in the midst of trial and persecution. And I think we can all certainly relate to that. So we will pick up on Second Peter in a few weeks, but uh, today, what I want to do is I want to give you a sort of a sneak, pre, a sneak peek of what's going to be happening here at Trinity this fall. And so uh, I wanted to start, of course, of course, by looking at the Word of God, and we'll look at that great commission that Jesus gives to his disciples. And then I want to spend the rest of our time together uh, just kind of briefly describing and promoting and going over all that will be available and all that will be happening in the form of events and ministries here at Trinity uh, this fall, starting next month in September, which is right around the corner. Are you excited for that? You want? Yes, some of you are, right? Some of you don't want summer to end, but that's okay. We have what we call down here, right, the local summer, right, which is when all the bennies, right, we love them, when they go home and then we get to have the beaches to ourselves and all that, right? And so uh, that's coming up soon. But um, praise the Lord that we, uh, we have the fall right around the corner. 
one of my favorite times of the year, one of my favorite seasons. And uh, in some ways, it's, it's a time of renewal. Uh, in a way, we often think of spring that way. But, you know, we, kids going back to school and ministries that maybe took a, a break and we, we paused for the summer will be ramping back up again in a few short weeks. So I wanted to take the opportunity to refresh and uh, sort of regroup um, and recharge uh, about what we, um, what we value here at Trinity, what our mission and vision is here at Trinity Bible Church as a local gathering of Christians and believers. And then I want to also unveil uh, something new. It's sort of, a, a, again, a preview of um, what I have been calling the discipleship pathway. And that is a tool that I believe, you've been hearing me talk about it, for a while now, it is a tool that I think will quickly become part of the DNA here at Trinity, part of our culture. It will be a way for us to remain connected with each other and with the Lord, staying on track, staying on our path of being followers of Jesus, being disciples. It really is what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner, a follower after another. And so as believers, we are then called to make that decision to become followers of Jesus. And if you remember our verse for the year, which we'll look at as well, uh, again from uh, Luke, it says uh, the words of Jesus when he turns to his disciples and he says, if anyone would come after me, everyone beats to be my disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. It's been our theme for the year. And so we're going to hone in on that this fall and use what you will see in just a few minutes what we're calling the discipleship pathway. And so I'll kind of outline all the rest of the ministries that are happening in and around that. And so that'll be in just a few minutes. But first, of course, we want to turn our attention to the Word of God. <clears throat> Every day, actually consistently throughout the day, throughout the months and throughout the years, 173,000 terawatts, which are trillions of watts, of solar energy, that's energy from the sun, strike the earth. That's on a continual basis. That's more than 10,000 times the world's energy needs coming from the sun. In his book called Focus, the author Al Reese describes it this way. The earth is showered with trillions of watts of energy on a daily basis. And the worst that happens when exposed to this is you can get a sunburn. However, when just a fraction of that energy is focused in a laser beam, pointed in a certain direction, it can literally cut through steel and cut through diamonds. That's the power of focus. This morning, as we look at the Great Commission, as we look at what it means to be a disciple, and as we unveil some things that are going to be happening here at Trinity in the coming months, focusing on the discipleship pathway, the way of being a follower of Jesus, we need to be focused. It's the power of focus. See, the Lord Jesus had told his disciples to meet him on a certain mountain, Soon he would be leaving them, ascending back to heaven to be with the Father. But before he did, he gave them one final command. He wanted them to be focused. To have a clear vision, to be on mission. To take all that he had taught them, 
all that he had shown them and focus their attention and their energy and their power in this one direction to make the biggest impact as they carried out his mission. This is often called the Great Commission. And here's what it says. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And so Jesus came and said to them, meaning the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end the age. That's the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Again, what has become known as the Great Commission, the commissioning of the disciples. See, but this is also our directive today. It is to be our focus, our direction, uh, our focus of our time and our energy and our power from God Himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. It is our mission until Jesus returns. See, Jesus had gathered his disciples and said, meet me at this place. And so they came, and it says earlier in, in that passage in Matthew 28, it said that they, they came and they met him and they worshiped. Some still doubted. Probably not those 11 disciples, but others of the larger crowds weren't so sure it was actually him, even after the resurrection. But it says they came and they worshiped him. Then he gave them this direction. He gave them this focus. See, Jesus was about to leave them, and he had been preparing them for that. Remember in the Last Supper, right? The night before he was betrayed, he was preparing his disciples for his departure. He had spent about three and a half years with them, living with them, and walking with them, and teaching with them, and eating with them, and sleeping next to them, laughing with them, and crying with them, and now he's about to leave, and they didn't still understand so he was, like a good rabbi, like a good teacher, he was preparing them. But yet he was preparing them for his departure. So he gives them these last words of encouragement, of hope. These last words of focus and mission. And he's basically saying to his closest followers, this is what I expect you to be doing until I come back. And I'll be with you all the way. And one day I will come back for you. But until then, do this. Isn't that great that we have that directive from the Lord Jesus? We can open the pages of Scripture and easily get confused, can't we? Why, there's so much in there, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and Jesus said this and that, and, and he taught us all kinds of things. And where do we start? Where do we go how do we make sense of it all? And Jesus tells us to be Christians and he gives us some ideas but, and his teachings and we know it's the word of God and so we are to obey it, but where do we start and how do we follow him? See, Jesus would, was often called, he was called rabbi. And in the day, it was very common that rabbis would have followers. And these followers would be committed to this one rabbi. It still exists today, especially in the Orthodox community, our friends in Lakewood down the road, and they are committed to one rabbi. And they follow this rabbi. They follow his teachings, and they go where he goes, and, 
and, and um, the, they'll do the things that he says to do, and they, they listen to his every word, and oftentimes even literally will sit at his feet for his teaching. That's what they did with Jesus, the good rabbi they would call him. So Jesus, before he ascended back to heaven, gave his disciples, his followers, this last command, this directive, this focus. But see, it's for us today as well. Do you believe that? It is the word of God, right? It is for us today as well. And so this is to be our directive and focus of our time and our energy and our power that we obtain from the Holy Spirit. So he tells his disciples to to go and make disciples. What's interesting here is that in this very famous passage, there's one command. You know what that command is? It's not to go. The command is not to baptize. The command is not even to teach. There is one command. It is simply make disciples. But see then, in the Greek, the original language that most of the New Testament was written in, in Greek, remember it wasn't written in English, right? It was written in Greek, and we have it translated into all the languages of the world, into English as we read it. We see that those other words, go, baptizing, teaching, going, baptizing, teaching. They're called participles. They're forms of the verb that help to explain and show what that actual verb is, that that command that Jesus gives. They help to support it. So the command is singular. It is make disciples. Church, that is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus said, go and make disciples. So then we are to check our hearts, check our lives, check our involvement in church, and check our our, our following of Jesus and say, are we making disciples? Well, I don't even know where to start with that. What does that look like? Am I being a disciple myself? See, disciples are ones who are following Jesus and then showing others how to follow Jesus. You can be a disciple who is learning while you're also teaching others. And ultimately, and this is important, as we see it unfold in the pages of Scripture and we see Jesus giving us the ultimate model, true discipleship, church, really, it happens one-on-one. This is a part of it, but this isn't discipleship. A community group is important, but it's not discipleship. Jesus taught the thousands. He taught the 70. He taught the 12, but he spent time with them. There is discipleship that happens person to person. It's all about relationship. Don't we believe that God is all about relationship? When he said way back in Genesis, at the beginning of all things, at the beginning of the scriptures, and he says, let us make man in our image, he was like enjoining us to the fellowship, to the relationship. And he creates the divine institution of marriage. See, he's all about relationship. And this is how discipleship truly happens. It's that one-on-one. I've said this before, but it's famously said by a philosopher and theologian that Christians, in a way, we are but beggars showing the other beggars where to find the bread. We are still beggars, but we have found the bread of life, the living water. And so what's our calling, church? What's our focus? What's our mission? What did Jesus tell us to do until he comes back? We look forward to that time. But what should we be found doing? Being a disciple and making a disciple. And so this fall, we're going to be looking at what that means. 
What does it look like breaking it down and seeing what Jesus and his followers, the apostles, what they taught us in the pages of Scripture about how to do that? But see, we have our directive from these famous words. He says, go and make disciples. So how do you make disciples? He gives those three words. By going, by baptizing, and by teaching. We will unpack that this fall together and what that looks like. But just briefly, before I get into sort of describing how we will do that all together this fall and beyond, let's look at four quick things about this passage, right? Again, he says to make disciples. But first we see that, see that there is authority given, Authority that is given, it's by his strength and it's not our strength. It's a divine mandate. See, it's through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He had told them, Jesus did, to wait for the Holy Spirit. He said, don't leave Jerusalem yet, just wait for the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? He's saying, don't try to follow me on your own, you will need my help. And so he leaves us and gives us the Holy Spirit to get our instructions from God so it's not our own plan. It is divine authority, and Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now Jesus is saying, go do this by my authority, see? But also we see what's next is not only the authority, Jesus then gives the mission or that mandate. He says, make disciples. By going, which is an action word, you have to go and do it. See, it takes a step, right? What's the word? A journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. You have to actually take action and go do it. So he says, go. Go and do it. It takes intentionality. It doesn't just happen organically. You have to take that step forward. Take that step into being a disciple and intentionally making disciples. So we are to go. But not only that, baptizing, which infers, of course, that those are believers because we understand the scriptures to say that those who are baptized have already put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus for the salvation of their sin. And so when he says baptizing, it means that you take believers, you present the gospel, you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of grace, and as people come to faith in Christ, as they become believers, believing in the Lord Jesus for who he is and what he said he was going to do, and they believe that, that it happened and that he did it for us. See, when they become believers, Jesus said, be baptized. Why? Because baptism is very simply an outward expression of a transformation that has already happened in the heart. And so when people are baptized, when it says go and baptize, it means take those new believers, present the gospel to them, they become believers, and then they are baptized so they become, right, symbolically, they are becoming part of that faith community. In essence, saying, yes, I am deciding to be a disciple because I am publicly proclaiming my identification with the Lord Jesus. He's my rabbi. He's my teacher. He's my master. He's my Lord. He's the one I'm following. So he's telling them, go evangelize. Baptize them. 
as you go, and then teaching. Because what is discipleship without teaching them what Jesus had taught them to do? See, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the mission. What's the magnitude? The magnitude, the scope, the breadth of it all is that it's all nations. We have the divine authority, the mission and the mandate to make disciples by going and baptizing and teaching, but what is the magnitude of it all? It is to all people everywhere, every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's all nations. It's John 3.16, for God so loved who? The world. It's everyone. The gospel is for everyone. It's local missions, it's global missions. That's why we support local missionaries here at Trinity. We support global missionaries here at Trinity. All of us are to be telling others about Jesus. We are to be telling everyone that God brings into our path about Jesus. But then finally, there's also the promise. There's the divine authority. We do it his way, according to his plan. It's his mission, not ours. And so we are to be making disciples by going and baptizing and teaching. And who is it for? It's for everyone. It's all nations. We're all doing it for everyone else. But then finally, he gives a promise. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Why do we need that promise? Because then we're reminded that we're not doing this alone. It's why he had promised the Holy Spirit, remember? He said, I'm leaving, but I will send you the comforter. I had promised Jesus even went as far as to say that it was better that he would leave so that he could bring the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one who convicts, the one who guides, the one who illuminates the scriptures and brings it to mind in that time of need, the one who leads and guides us, our true worship leader. But he makes this promise to say, I'm with you always. Yes, I'm leaving. You might not quite understand. Don't be dejected and don't be depressed. I will come back, but until I do, I'm with you. Don't we need that, church? We need to be reminded he's always with us because that's where our hope is. He says, even to the end of the age, which also gives us hope because we know that there is an end to this, that he will come back. He will come back to set up his kingdom and we get to be with him forever. So heaven is to come, because there is an end of the age, and he is coming back. God is for us, and God is with us. If it's a divine mandate with divine authority for all of his creation, then we can trust that he will provide the way. He will make the pathway clear. He will lead the way. We also have, if you could advance to the next slide, we also have, thank you, I appreciate it. We also have this verse, which has been our theme verse, which has been our theme verse for this whole year and will continue to be until the end of the year as we go through this together. It is from Luke 9, 23, and you can turn, you can turn in your Bibles to it as well. It says this, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So how do we do this at Trinity? That's what it says in Luke 9, 23. He says it elsewhere in the other Gospels, but what is Jesus saying? He is saying this. If you decide that you want to follow me, this is what it's going to cost. 
See, salvation cost him everything. It costs us nothing. We are simply to believe, receive that free gift. But then Jesus says, you want to follow me and be my disciple? Here's what you do. You deny yourself. So you put yourself aside, your own plans, your own desires. You put them aside. He says, you deny yourself. You take up your cross daily. So it's not just once, daily. And he says, you follow me. Church, let me ask you this question. When Jesus says, follow me, Where did he expect us to go? Where was he going? He was going to the cross. And I think in many ways, Jesus was trying to say, discipleship is hard. Discipleship requires sacrifice. It requires sacrifice, self-denial. It requires following him all the way to the cross. And what does that cross represent? It represents death to self, where Jesus gave up the greatest thing. He gave up his very life for us. And Jesus calls us to do the same thing, that we would be willing to lay aside our own desire and will and give it all to him. That's his desire for us, that we would follow him all the way to the cross, that the life of a disciple is marked by sacrifice, by death to self, by giving up, by thinking of others before we think of ourselves. That's the life of a disciple. So how do we do that here at Trinity? Many ways that we can do that. Can I get the next slide, please? Perfect. We learn, we grow, we serve. Our three core values. Remember as well that we then unpack that and we say at Trinity we pursue discipleship by learning the truth growing in faith, and serving others. That's how we pursue discipleship. So how do we actually do that? A sneak peek at the discipleship pathway. This is a tool that I will um, launch for us on September 25th. That Sunday will be our launch Sunday. And on that Sunday, I will begin a three-week teaching series on what it looks like to be a discipleship using this tool, which I believe will become a big part of us here at Trinity. The discipleship pathway is just that. It's a pathway that is marked by 12 steps. These are steps that we glean right from the scriptures that show the the steps of a disciple. Now, every disciple, and this is important, every disciple of Jesus Christ is going to Follow a path to follow him in different ways, right? We're not all lockstep behind each other, single file, right? We have our own um, personalities, the way that we do things. But yet at the same time, Jesus lays out for us, and his disciples do as well in their teachings and scriptures, at least 12 things that every disciple, every follower of Jesus should be focused on and giving attention to. And so on September 25th, when we launch this discipleship pathway, there will be printed resources and materials for you, including this. And they'll also be available all online on our website. These will be ways, resources, and tools that we can point each other to ourselves and each other, people that come and visit us. We can say, here is a big part of 
what we are about here at Trinity, about how we are following Jesus. And these are the things that we can help stay focused on. So in the printed materials that'll be available starting on that Sunday, and on our website, there will be detailed information about each one of these 12 steps and what this pathway looks like. There'll be resources, there'll be scriptures, there will be devotionals and Bible studies. There will be ways that we can gather in groups and classes and, and get together for events and series that will happen on Sundays and Wednesday nights that will help us this fall, now through December, leading up to Christmas, to help us unpack what it looks like to be a disciple. This is part of just a, a glance at one of the resources that we will have available. And you can see that yes, there are 12 steps, 12 things that, that we are to be doing as disciples. When he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. This is what that looks like. But notice also, do you notice something about the pathway? It's not linear. You see all those squiggly lines? That's you, you're a squiggly line. We all kind of go in different directions, but yet at the same time, I think what Jesus is calling us to do as a church is to make sure we're doing two things, intersecting with each other along the pathway, but making sure that we are touching, that we are stepping on at least these 12 things. To make sure we know that we are following the mandate, the mission of Jesus Christ by his authority, all along with the hope that he gives us. There will be cards, one for each of the 12 steps that we'll have available. You can write on the back. You can hand it out to friends. You can keep it in your Bible as another resource. That See, that describes what it means. This is one example. One of the 12 steps of being a disciple that we see from Scripture is being able to tell your story. It means, do you know how to tell people about how you became a believer in the Lord Jesus? We often call it our testimony. Maybe some of you are uncomfortable doing that. I don't like, I feel uncomfortable. I mean, I love Jesus. I want people to know about him, but I don't really know where to start or like how to tell them. And I feel uncomfortable. I tried it once and I kind of fumbled through the words and all of a sudden I was talking about Moses, right? We've all been there. And, and so this is one of those steps. One of those marks of a disciple is to learn how to tell your story, right? Being able to share what God has done in your life through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? Only you can tell your story. You know that? Only you can tell your story, your relationship, your, as we might say, your conversion experience, your testimony of faith. How did you hear about Jesus? And what was it that led you to finally believe? Believe that Jesus is who he says he is, the very Son of God, and that he did what he said he was going to do, die on a cross, and come back to life on the third day. And we believe that he did. And that he did that for us. How did that come to be? So this is one of those 12 things. And you see, this is what will be available in print. It'll also be on the website as well, on our website, trinityallenwood.com, as a way to give a brief description with some scripture passages to dig deeper into. And there'll be more resources as we develop this together and live it out and flesh it out together to help us tell the story. Maybe we offer a, a Sunday morning gathering before service on um, working together to write out our testimony. Did you ever write it out? 
learning how to tell your story. Different ways that we can do that together. But the whole point, see, church, is we want to stay on mission. We want to stay on track. We want to stay on the path of being disciples. And this is one example. But going back to this, I just want to briefly, before I touch on all the other ministries coming up this fall, just give you a brief example and description of each of these. First, I want you to notice something. You see that all of the steps except for one have sort of a similar color, right? They all have a, 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 an icon that goes along with it and that will help you along the pathway to see, like to, to connect that particular step with different resources that we make available, whether it's a printed material or it's a class or it's a, a seminar or it's an outreach or whatever it is that, that uh, we can do to help us to be equipped to do these things. Notice that there is one that is bigger than the others, as a different color, it is meant to stand out. Do you see what it says? Trust in Jesus for salvation. Why would that be, church? Why would that be bigger and bolder and at sort of the beginning of this non-linear pathway? Why would that be? Very simple. Because you cannot be a disciple of Jesus if you are not first a believer, right? Meaning that everybody's path will look different how you give attention to these other 11 steps. And some of them are one-time events, like get baptized, and some of them are lifelong. And in fact, most of the rest of them are. Learning to be a generous giver. Learning how to tell your story, to share your story with others. Learning about grace and having, learning how to show grace to others. But you notice it all starts with trusting in Jesus for salvation. Why? Because even though all of our pathways might look different, those squiggly lines, but yet we are all to intersect with each other and these other steps, we all start at the same place. And that is becoming a believer in the Lord Jesus for salvation. So perhaps as we unpack this this fall, you come to realize, wait, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I wasn't quite sure. I thought maybe I did. I didn't even know. So we give a lot of time and attention to that because that's where we all start together because the rest of it really is meaningless if you are not first a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's where we start. But then we see these others that are not so in line but yet still important. As we all move on from trusting in Jesus for salvation, the starting point of every disciple, we have things like get baptized. It's what Jesus modeled for us. So since he did, his followers are to be involved in, in the lives of others, equipping them, urging them towards spiritual maturity. Right? You don't have to graduate seminary or spend a certain amount of years as a follower of Jesus right? in order to be baptized. But it's taking that step of being obedient to the Lord Jesus. How about spending time with Jesus? Don't we need to learn how to read our Bibles and to pray? To meditate on the very word of God? I mean, it doesn't just happen instantly. We, we need to be taught that by others. It's that discipleship process, right? It's about a relationship with the only true and living God. Just like we engage in deepening human relationships so we get to know each other better, doesn't it stand to reason even and make common sense that we are to get to know God better, right? And that's what it means, spending time with Jesus. And quickly, tell your story. I talked about that. 
that together we will learn and equip and encourage each other to share your faith, your testimony and salvation. Get into community. God exists in community, right? We are to live out a relationship with Jesus, with each other. That's where all these squiggly lines intersect. We are to understand grace better because the center of the Christian life is the grace of God. Understanding God's great gift of grace more clearly is central to growth as a disciple. Take grace to your world. How to do that? What does it look like to be on mission? Have you ever been on a missions trip? A few years ago, we went to Brazil. We have our missionaries from Brazil that are coming in just another week or so. The Lathams have been mentioning that, right? They're coming to bless us. We want to bless them the way that they did for us in Brazil. But again, we support global and local missions. But what does it look like to take grace to the world? How about discovering your spiritual gifts? As a believer, you have been given at least one spiritual gift, the Bible tells us. But why? To bless the church. So how are you using your gifts? Are you blessing the church, this local body of believers and other Christians with your spiritual gifts? How do you even know what they are? How do you discover them? This is what we will do together with all the resources available. Practicing grace with others, serving in the church. Where do you belong in the church? Using your gifts and your talents. How are we to serve one another? How to learn to be generous. Yes, there is that aspect of being a disciple of Jesus. It's not just about money, but how do you live generously because of the gospel of grace, giving of your time and your finances and helping others to follow Jesus as well is one of those important steps. That's really where it comes down to about being a disciple who is making disciples. Listen, when Jesus answered that question about the greatest commandment, when he said, in essence, love God and love others, did you notice that it's all about others? It's about God first and others in relationship that we're going to take the focus off ourselves and focus on others. So Jesus gives us that great commission to go and make disciples, going, baptizing, teaching, and finally, Here are some opportunities coming up this fall. Some new and some restarting. Our Dig Deeper gatherings on Sunday mornings. This one will be starting up in uh, the the beginning of October. Be going through a new book coming out called Another Gospel. It is a response to a trend in the church today called progressive Christianity. You want to learn more about that? Come, we'll go through the book together. That is on Sunday mornings here starting at 9.30 a.m. before service. That begins on October 9th. So you'll be hearing more about that. And all this information is on our website. It'll be available. It goes out in email so you won't miss a thing. One way to get involved. A new ministry that's beginning. The Life Recovery Group. The Life Recovery Group is very similar. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a 12-step, kind of like AA, modeled off of that format. It's a Bible-based ministry to help discover God's power over your problems. That's another opportunity on Sunday mornings from 9 to 10, 15, a group that is for all of us. We think, oh, Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, well, I'm not addicted to alcohol, so that's not for me. That's not what this is about. Because this is a Christ-centered, grace-filled, Bible-based 
group that, yes, is all about recovery. It's about overcoming any problem that you struggle with, and we all have them, right? That you can go and open the pages of Scripture together and see what God says about how we can overcome those problems that keep tripping us up time and again. But how we overcome it by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word, amen? Another opportunity. Our community groups, we have one that meets on Tuesday nights. Community groups, I think, are essential to the life of a disciple. In some way, we gather in smaller groups to do the Christian life together. You can eat a meal together. You're, yes, you're opening the pages of Scripture, and you're, you're interacting with one another. In the smaller group, you can get to know each other better and pray for one another in a more intimate way. You can go and serve the community together as a smaller group. It becomes part of the backbone of the church. Our men's and women's Bible studies, Tuesday morning, it's been going on for years. These begin up again soon on September 6th. One for the men that starts at 6.30 a.m. And one for the women starts at 9.30 a.m. If you've never been, I highly encourage you to get involved. We're going through the book of Genesis together. As we study the scriptures, we're looking specifically at the book of Genesis together this fall, starting on the 6th. Another opportunity to grow as a disciple. A new ministry. Starting on September 28th, it's the last Wednesday of this month, we will be having a Wednesday night midweek service. And it will look similar in some ways to what we do here on Sunday mornings, but every Wednesday night in the middle of the week, this is an opportunity to gather together here to recharge, to recharge our spiritual batteries, so to speak, as we gather in community to worship. We will take communion together as Jesus and Paul and others taught us that as often as you gather together, do this in remembrance of me, an opportunity to worship, to take communion together, to also do something for this, just this fall, from now and through December, as we gather on Wednesday nights, to go through each of these 12 steps of being a disciple. It's an opportunity for us to go deeper together Right in the context of a worship service to learn more in a devotional format about what it looks like to be a disciple. As we unpack it, not like a Bible study and, and not like a regular sermon or, or a, a teaching series, but in a devotional way to help unpack those 12 steps. So it's a 12-week commitment. For 12 weeks, we will be doing this on Wednesday nights, gathering together to worship through song to take communion together, to pray together, and to learn more about what it looks like to be a disciple. There will also be our Trinity kids, which means there's an opportunity for kids to gather. So parents, you can bring your kids on Wednesday nights. It's why we gather from 6.30 to 7.30. It's a little bit earlier so we can accommodate the parents and their kids, right? And for some adults who like to be in bed by nine o'clock, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah, some of you raise your hand. Very good, right? <laughs> but then what's also important is this, because we have, a, we have a prayer gathering that is met for so many years on Wednesday nights. So the people who love to pray are prayer warriors, and this is open to everybody, of course. We encourage everybody to stay for a little bit longer. After our worship service on Wednesday nights, 
Just a few minutes after service ends at 7.30, we will be gathering here, staying right here to pray. We have our list of prayer requests that come throughout the week. Hopefully you're on our prayer email so you can see what's going on, the lives of people in the church and their family and friends as we pray for one another. The churches should be praying. This is an opportunity for corporate prayer. So after our worship service, we stay and we can pray together. If you need to take your child home and go and you have to get home, do whatever, have a late dinner, it's fine. But we encourage you, stay and pray. And that begins on September 28th. Again, I mentioned that the Lathams are coming. This is part of how we support missionaries around the world. They'll be here. They're actually arriving a week from tomorrow. They'll be with us for two weeks, for two Sundays, and be working with myself and the leadership team in particular on our discipleship pathway. Because isn't just like God for him to arrange for some of our missionaries who've been traveling around the country, right, to all supporting churches and friends and family as they raise support to come here for such a time as this because one of the things they focus on in their ministry as missionaries is helping to build disciples and helping churches to be disciple-making churches. Isn't that just like God? To allow them to be here with us just before we launch our discipleship pathway. So Shane and Aaron Latham will be joining us, right? We have missions and outreach. Our missions team is very active. And just about every month, we plan a way for you to get set outside of these four walls and to bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to be the hands and feet, as we say, of Jesus, to go and to serve. Because we learn, we grow, and we serve. We serve one another, and we serve the communities around us. And so we have plans now for September. On the 4th is a prayer walk out in the Asbury Park, just to go and to pray. Kind of like what would happen in Lakewood a couple months ago, right? It's that idea that you go and you pray, and you know what? Never underestimate God and what he will do, the people he will bring. Just as you walk along the boardwalk, enjoy the ocean and the water, and you're praying for people, and perhaps you stop and ask somebody if they could use prayer. You'd be surprised how many people say yes. Even if they are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they want somebody to pray for them. Because many people are desperately hopeless. Of course, we know they are without Christ. And they want anything. They'll take any kind of help, including, of course, prayer. In October, on the 22nd, all are welcome to go to Newark Penn Station where we hand out our blessing bags. There's some out on the table for you. You can take those with you. Those are the, the little bags that are filled with, with essentials that can help people that are in need. Take a couple, keep it in your car, and as you go to work, as you go to the store, as you go to school throughout the week, perhaps you see somebody, the Lord brings somebody into your life that day that you can share the good news with, but first you help to meet an immediate need and you give them one of our blessing bags. We're gonna go and do that in the Newark on that morning. And then finally for November, we've done this the past few years, the Jersey Shore Rescue Mission has their, uh, they're in Asbury Park, they have their annual coat drive. So we get to go and serve, we get to help this mission. You know, we have some people here at church that work there and they serve there full time, but we get to go and we get to help hand out the coats, meet people, greet them, bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus to meet some important and practical needs. See, there's ways to get involved outside of these four walls. The podcast that you've heard me talk about over the years, So What the Podcast, this is a blessing for me and I hope for you. We are starting 
to record new episodes. We've done two already. They'll be launched and, and up on the website in a few weeks. This is myself, Pastor Dave Berkey of the Allenwood Church down the road, Pastor Mike Morgan of Shiloh Baptist Church in downtown Manasquan. We gather every Thursday morning and we record a podcast. It's a blessing for us, but we hope that you listen as well. Because we come up with a challenge from Scripture as we go through a Bible reading plan, we live out, the three of us, live out that challenge, and then we get together on a Thursday morning and record our experience, and we talk about how we interacted with the Scripture and what it looked like. I have to say, there's been a couple of times where I failed miserably, <laughs> but yet I shared that. So the idea is that we release these new um, episodes every Thursday. And so as we record a couple more, then we'll put them on, and then every Thursday going forward, starting this fall, they'll be available. Another opportunity, it's about 20 minutes long, another opportunity for you to listen to the Word of God, to hear what it looks like to live as a disciple. Our Trinity kids, of course, one of our most important and vital ministries they gather every Sunday morning during our worship service and events throughout the year, but also now on Wednesday evenings, starting in the last week, uh, Wednesday of September. There'll be an opportunity for the kids to gather, go through a, a, a different curriculum and have their events and their time together of worshiping God and praying together and learning what it looks like to be a disciple. Opportunities for our next generation to learn about Jesus. And of course, don't have to remind you, but we do take communion here at church. We'll be able to do it every Wednesday evening, and we do it on the first Sunday of every month, where we remember the Lord's sacrifice on our behalf. Then, of course, after that, also on the first Sunday of every month, after we end our service with communion, we then go into the back of the room there, and we enjoy our agape feast. And we continue to remember the Lord's sacrifice, but also the fact that he is returning. Amen? And so we get to fellowship, and there's something special about gathering around a table that is filled with food, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of helps us to, to be a little more comfortable with each other, and we talk, but it's an important part of the life here at Trinity about even being a disciple as we eat meals together and fellowship together. It tells us at the end of Acts chapter 2, that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and, and prayer, and they often gathered around the table to eat a meal together. And we do that at least once a month on the first Sunday. And during the summer months, we get to barbecue, so even better. Um, who put a salad up there? I don't know. That, I apologize for that. We don't just have salad. There's lots of other good food, so if you think like that's the extent of our lunch, no, just come and... Taste and see, okay? Taste and see. It's good. A few last things, and then we'll, we'll wrap up for the morning. Stay connected. You know, yes, we have our website, trinityallenwood.com. We send out emails, but this is the quickest and most efficient way to stay up to date. You simply just text the word JOIN TRINITY, all caps, all one word, to that number, 84576. If you haven't done it, you can take out your phone and do it now. And the information is on our website as well, but I encourage you to do that because we send out regular reminders, updates, you know, things that have to, to be shifted around because of weather. This is the best way to do it, to get notified, to be in the know. So please do that. Sign up for our text updates. And of course, we have our prayer emails. If you'd like to be informed about prayer requests, if you'd like to send a prayer request, 
Just send an email there, prayer at trinityallenwood.com, and you'll be on our list. So you can pray for others. Pray for others in the body of Christ and in this local assembly. And finally, again, we're reminded that here at Trinity, we learn, we grow, and we serve together. So this fall, church, we're going to be busy being disciples who are making disciples, right? We're going to have lots of resources and many ways to do it. But the last thing I'll say about it is this. I believe that as we do this thing together, living out the Great Commission, being disciples who go, baptize, teach, learning to be followers of Jesus, that this will become an important part of the life here at Trinity. Because it will help us to stay on track, to stay on that discipleship pathway so that we can do two things, really, so that we can make sure that we are doing what Jesus has called us to do as we look at those 12 steps, and maybe there comes a point you say, living generously, am I really being generous with my time? Maybe I need to work on that. It's a way that we can see how we're doing as disciples, but maybe even more importantly, stay connected with each other. Keep each other accountable and encourage each other, remembering the hope that we have, that Jesus told his disciples to do these things, but then he ended, ended with saying, I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. Can we stand together? I want to leave you with this passage of Scripture before we pray our way out. We thank the Lord for his word, and it says this in Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Can we say amen to that? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together. As we leave this place, as we leave this building, God, may we do so filled with encouragement and with courage. From the divine authority that comes only from you, to be on the mission that you have given us and not our own, to do so for the whole world, but all along the way with the hope that only Jesus Christ brings. Father, may we take that message of hope to the world around us. And we pray for the help to do so. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Amen. Let's go in peace and encourage, church.
King 